0: regional hall wakes up and she's like super mean to everybody and then some little girl casts a spell and it's a really stupid plot but it is hilarious apparently it's amazing when
1: tom hanks does it right do you think will not be technologies, technology companies in, say, four years? Any company that sells anything online. Amazon? No,
0: no, no. no. no, no. Any company that sells anything, just a simple product, sunglass companies, oh, yeah. watch companies, movement. They're
1: not going to be around gonna anymore? Be, they're not going to no, be no, technology companies? They're not going to even try to be technology companies now. So being an e-commerce company is not synonymous with being a technology company anymore? No, not with Shopify, no. it's interesting.
0: I would disagree. Wait until somebody makes a bigger version of Shopify. What do you mean bigger? Like better integration with CMSs. Shopify doesn't have a great CMS. Like more features? Like imagine if you mixed like WordPress or better. Because they have like WooCommerce, but no. Like imagine if you mixed like... A really good CMS, like a, like just say AEM, Adobe Experience Manager. If you built the whole thing up, and then it had commerce, and then it was in the cloud, and you didn't have to manage it.
1: I mean, if it's in the
0: cloud, it just automatically makes it. The 25%. only thing that Shopify is missing is an actual CMS. Imagine if Squarespace. What would you use? And Shopify, Shopify had a baby. What would you use
1: a CMS for on Shopify?
0: I don't know. What products are we listing? How do they appear on the product pages? What do they look like? How do they feel? What do they look like? Imagine if a company like Squarespace married a company like Shopify or Shopify, who's been working really, really hard on their engineering and their purchasing stuff and all those things and security and all that stuff like that and building commerce relationships and all the things they've been doing. Imagine if... They actually triple triple down on their CMS, which I'm sure they're working on right now. Like an actual Squarespace style. Pick a theme, WYSIWYG your way to a better website.
1: It's interesting.
0: Drop some React on that.
1: That Sprink- I think sprinkle would some make view it, on it. That I think would make it a lot more flexible because it makes it a lot more dev friendly. Or if you do the headless thing, right? If you're if I'm Shopify and I Well,
0: headless purchasing is Stripe.
1: It's already built. But does Stripe do the inventory management and all yeah, the nice checkout everything. and all that stuff?
0: Yeah. yeah, it does everything. Really? Is it all? Yeah.
1: Do you have all the, the client-side workflows and all that stuff? Yeah,
0: they have a, they have
1: packages. Oh, man. For
0: purchasing. They have like a cart you can just install. Oh, man. Yeah, they're good. So imagine if... Is so Stripe that way is, more expensive? No, it's the same thing. It's like it's some amount of money right? per month and then the same like 2.5% that all merchants charge.
1: Be higher than that. It's a
0: slightly higher than like a merchant would charge.
1: Because it's got to be on top of the credit card charge. But
0: it's not very much. It's like three percent. It's like point three or point five. I don't know. You have to look at the numbers.
1: But, yeah, they, but it's like
0: two point seven percent, or something like that. On Stripe, all charges. Stripe
1: and Spotify are Spotify. Stripe and Shopify are interesting because they have taken kind of two opposing approaches to the same problem. Well, Shopify. Yeah. Shopify is the maximalist. This is the all-in-one one-stop shop.
0: Yeah, Shopify is like you install a theme, you drop your products in the in the, the stock you have, and then you just run your site. But the thing that I've noticed, and I don't want to bash them because I actually really do like Shopify, but their CMS portion and the way that you manage the way things look are is kind of originally, it's a smart move to make, but it was originally geared towards you download a theme.
1: Yeah, and the themes are kind of self-contained and you're not really in there changing the shade of blue or no. doing all that stuff. And they they're, do this thing They're designed that way, yeah. They do
0: this thing called Liquid, which is basically handlebars. Basically handlebars. That runs across all the assets that are delivered, which is quite smart, but interesting in the same way. Where you can add Liquid to like CSS, which you could easily replace with style components. And you could build commerce widgets out of React. And then you can sell the commerce widgets as opposed to selling themes. So you're like, you want this cart, you want the park cart, then you pay park, Albert Park, money for the cart. And the cart is literally just a React widget. That's like, because right now you buy a theme. You buy a whole theme. You're like, I want this piece. Just imagine if Shopify were like, instead of buying that, you buy a component.
1: Cart as a service.
0: You buy a cart. You buy an add to cart button. You buy a subscription
1: Depending on your what you want, check out us. It's a, it's a UI kit or a dev kit rather than being a whole setup. Yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. React I'm, But you've only been able to do that now because of React.
0: We've only been able to do it. You could have done it before, but you would have had to, yeah, I mean, things like Webpack have allowed that to happen a roll up or whatever. You've been able to like create isolated components, but it's like right now, yeah, they kind of sell you a whole theme. And in the theme as a cart, but if you don't like the way the cart works, good luck changing it.
1: That's you're gonna true. Break it's the whole very thing. difficult. Yeah. If you you can almost recognize that you're on a Shopify site when you get to the checkout and you get to the cart. Well, no, but Not the checkout. The cart, but the checkout. The checkout looks exactly the same for every single Shopify site I've ever been on in my entire life. That's by design
0: because they design. control the shit. They control the checkout. Unless you use their there's like a corporate version of it or a business version of it that you can sign up for that has API based. But I think even in that case, checkout is still on their pages because. It's the most secure way to do it. Why do you... Like, it would be great if you could theme your cart. Yes. But it would be restricted to only theming.
1: No, like, uh, upselling or... Like, imagine
0: like imagine if they said all the cart components are defined, but you can hand us a style component, component in your package. And that themes the cart, but you can only theme it.
1: You can only do what you can do with CSS. I guess from their perspective, it could get really tricky too, right? Because NPM is not... 100 percent secure. Build your own package manager.
0: Man. Put them on their commerce. They already yeah. have a store. They already have a whole thing with themes that you can you literally can download an entire theme with a bunch of jQuery code and a bunch of SaaS and a bunch of uh handlebars crap that you didn't even write. You don't J- even know.
1: jQuery. That's there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Oh, tell me, man. That's a that's still, a meme. Still that's a thing.
0: A still a thing. So imagine like you could go there. You already can go there and you can download like a whole bunch of Functionality. You can literally download a, a back office functionality where you like have people like there's there's plugins for the back end and there's plugins for the front end. And in both cases, you can buy like a whole plugin. Like there's ways that you can do like product management and delivery service and printing out labels and all kinds of stuff.
1: There's services. There's do they accept other services for that? Like if I'm using Another company's service for packaging? Like if I have custom packaging, custom boxes or labels or stuff like that, do they accept that into their Yeah, as long as you build a plugin and they approve it. But you got to build your own plugin and they got to approve it? I think... Can you you pay them to develop the plugin for you?
0: I'm sure you could pay any company anything, but it depends if it's in the roadmap. I don't know. I think what they do is they do things like... There's really common things like if you want FedEx or UPS plugins like you want to be able to know when things were delivered and things had accepted signatures there's there's fedex plugins but i think that the things on the back end are much more controlled than on the front end
1: yeah they got to be oh yeah they have to be absolutely and and then on the
0: store side or on the checkout side of it they always control checkout the only thing you can do is you can inject right now i believe you there's one section of the cart that you can inject your own markup and then i think you can change some theme variables
1: that's it yeah, because I've seen. I think the 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 one thing that is different on all these cards is like the outline highlight color. That's it.
0: Yeah, and you can change the logo. And you,
1: and you can, can change. change the logo. Yeah, and I think there's like a background image because it's can like you, know, some you know there's like that split window mm, where it's like where it's like the map of your house is on the right. Your address is over here, and then the like the checkout total is over here. Mm-hmm. And the checkout total has a background image that's like opaque and stuff.
0: Yeah, and the only other thing I don't like about Shopify, since we're totally off topic now, but the only thing I don't know don't like about Shopify is that the variables that are available in the liquid front end are very weird. And because it's handlebars, you can imagine that iterating over things is very hard.
1: Yeah. Handlebars is not that clean to iterate over stuff. Yeah. So the way that you wrap your each and mm -hmm. stuff like that is a little, uh, it's a little janky. But also I think that looking back on it now, it looks janky because of how clean like map is. Map might be my single favorite thing in React. Like, I go out of my way to write maps in React. Got to watch out. They're not that performant. They're not that performant, but it makes me happy because I come, from, yeah. I come from this from this life of having to do things like writing in each loop in handlebars and, mm-hmm. like, not knowing the difference between a closing curly and a non-closing curly and a variable curly and a non-variable curly and, like, going through all that stuff and then having this thing called map where it's, wait, what? It's just a function? What?
0: That's because you have JSX. But what? imagine
1: imagine if they
0: went in and they said, we're going to allow you to build any React component as long as it passes our strict compiler rules mm. where you can't do certain things you can't you can't just make random Ajax requests inside of your component mounts
1: yeah what is this what is this bit mine what you can't have that
0: yeah, what is this thing? So imagine if they did that and they had it was like Apple where you had to submit a React component to the store or to your own store, and then once you did that they would basically create an isolated world where you could put any React component you want to in the thing and it would it would be accepting as props whatever values you set up in your your config. So like instead of authoring each individual component, maybe you made like data components and you said, well, this one has access to products, this one has access to the cart, this one has access to this. This is like no these known objects in Shopify.
1: Yeah, you know how Shopify would be able to enforce that?
0: A compiler rule inside of Babel or something? TypeScript. Okay, fine. That would be a very yeah, that would be a good use case for TypeScript. Yes. Good job, you won. Yes, that would be a decent use case for TypeScript. Yes. So imagine if they created a victory. TypeScript. <laughs> imagine if they created a TypeScript rule and they created their own TS Lint situations where it could determine like, are you doing things that are illegal or illegal? And then these are the only utilities you can use to access whatever. And your components have to be self-isolated, have no webpack, and they have to be compiler by the compilable by their SSR compiler. I
1: mean, they could even take it one step further and say, here are your interfaces. These are the only interfaces you're allowed to use. Oh, yeah. You can
0: do with TypeScript. So I'm liking your idea. Yeah. That would be a good Boom. use case for TypeScript. Yep. Boom. Yeah. If it doesn't inherit from this interface, then you can't use it for this particular reason. Like you want your own product list or you want your own product detail component. The part that deals with Shopify's commerce can only use this interface.
1: Yes. You're basically defining the API that they can use in a very, very strict way, and it also makes their development Like if you're a person who develops Shopify themes, it makes your life a lot easier because you know exactly what props you can and can't use, and you structure around it. So imagine this world where we're rewriting Shopify right now. Oh man,
0: they would. I'm not saying we would be able to because it's it's actually pretty dope. It's technology. actually a good product, yes, it is. But imagine Sponsors, if, please. imagine if they created these interfaces they created some kind of compiler rule, some TS lint stuff that's enforced on the server. They also had a little bit of manual review. Yes. And they had a, the ability for you to report that components didn't work. Then they could potentially, you could either submit your own components to your own store, to your own Travis-like CI environment situation where you say like, this is my repo. The other thing I don't really like about Shopify is that the only way that you can get files into their system is through this little sync library that they built around the days of Gulp where like it would watch a folder and then it would sync your content over. And then all the, all the template files right now already have to be defined. Like it's a certain set of templates, you know, and you can have your own partials, your own handlebars, partials that you can pull in for certain things and you can add whatever content you want to. Which leads me to wonder, like, they must they must already have something like this because they they already have the ability for you to write whatever templates you want to as long as they're dot liquid. Uh, and Yeah, but I think these components he's showing me components on the screen. I think those are for the for the back end.
1: They were doing something like this. Action structure forms, images and icons, feedback indicators, title and text, behavior. It looks like it's a little bit of everything. But are they only for
0: the back end? Take a look. What are actions?
1: Sound connection. I mean,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they're not already doing this. I haven't looked, so yeah. if someone's listening and going, "Oh, they already have all this." I haven't looked in a
1: year or so. So what we're looking at is we're looking at a thing called Polaris, which is Shopify. That's their back end.
0: That's the, so that the could backend. be it. Could be a universal component library, but last I looked, Polaris was their. Back end component library. Okay,
1: so this may not be. That's if you were
0: building a theme or or a plugin for the back end.
1: Yeah. So I got to this from the Shopify developer docs. Well, which I could have I could have sworn there was a like a HIG like a set of guidelines where they're like you have to have says right there that the sales stuff this page that page and the other page in order to design guidelines examples
0: maybe well says it right there no go back go back. Read that line. Shopify Playa's components can be used for what? Within your sales channel for...
1: Oh, is that what the back end is? Well, well I don't know. Read what the read what the rules are. For merchant on-board, merchant onboarding, account configuration, notice banners, setting controls, form inputs, and modal. That does not sound like a checkout.
0: It does not sound like the front end. No, it doesn't. But either way, they're building this thing so that you can have a shared component library. I mean, they're they're probably thinking about this literally right now. It's not like it's a novel idea. Makes sense. But it would be pretty cool. Yeah. But my point, though, back to 360, back to back what we were talking about.
1: 360 no scope, bro. <laughs> I wish I could do that.
0: Anyways, that what we're talking about is like, would companies be technology companies in the future? Why would anybody who has a sales channel care about that? If you cannot, I mean, granted, you might need like somebody to set you up a store, pick the right components. But if the themes were less biggins... And little... They were rather little components that you can pick the best
1: like unstyled cart. If there's like a base set of components that everybody uses?
0: Well, that's the Because right problem. now, the is way that the Liquid is that. set
1: up, it kind of forces an entire... It requi- theme and requires and, you to make a whole theme. Yeah, it requires you to make the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Which... Like from the Shopify perspective, it makes sense for them because they don't want to be the ones that are like picking out the correct color blue for your site. Well,
0: they give you, they have like a default, they have like an a, um, an ideal theme. It's like whatever, I don't know what it's called. It's like the default like theme. default, yeah. They have a default theme that they've done all the due diligence to make work really well and be performant and whatever. Most people don't use that. They then go to like the store and they buy a theme. But like when you, have you ever been given a job by someone and they're like, we want you to build this WordPress site. We want it to look like this. And what they're showing you is like a WordPress theme. How likely on a scale of one to 10 is that theme going to be the same code that you're using when you launch? 0%. I don't know about zero, but the odds are not in your favor. No. That everything is going to work. The minute you have to build like anything custom, any custom widget on any part of that store or site, let's just say it's not even a store. It's a site. It's just a WordPress site. The odds are that you're not going to have trouble building X feature that someone asked for is very, 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 very slim.
1: Yeah. The theme is going to work. 20% of the work takes 80% of the time. Yeah. And whatever that one
0: thing they want is going to break the entire preconceived notion of what that theme was for or was going to do. And that's why the world created components. That's why React exists.
1: That's why component libraries exist.
0: Well, even component libraries sometimes. Like if you if you pull out Bootstrap four, what are the odds are you're going to use a hero? Zero percent. So there's components there that you're not using. What are the, the, the odds? The jumbotron though. The jumbotron, yeah. Well, one, it's called jumbotron. Who the hell? Whatever. Okay. Yes, I know it's a Jumbotron. Whatever. What yeah. are the odds are you going to use it out of the box? But that's like a, such
1: a diff- yeah. The, you're you're 100 right about that.
0: You but they what Bootstrap 4, Bootstrap 4 has thought about that and they're like, okay, well you have this thing called a Jumbotron, and then in it you can have a heading and then you can have a subhead and you can have horizontal rules and you can have buttons and yeah. all these things and they work well in it, right? But what are the odds are that you're gonna use it exactly like it is? I don't know. What are the what is the difference between building a Jumbotron hero masthead for your site with a Jumbotron versus just building one out on of flex? Nine times out of ten, if you're building like a decent site with a decent design, you're gonna end up Building
1: it with Flex yourself. It depends on your scope, right? If you're building the entire site, then yes, you build out your classes with Flex that you know you're going to use on other parts other than your your hero. Yeah. If you're just building a hero, if you're just building a one-off masthead that fits inside of a greater app and you're only building CSS for that, are you really going to build out the entirety of Bootstrap in Flex? Yeah, I don't know about that.
0: No, I'm saying let's just take, f- for instance, that you're in this particular logical experiment. You are a marketer that wants to sell... Guitar strings. That was the example you used that one time. You want to sell guitar strings. That's my very
1: successful store.
0: Yeah. Albert strings. You want to sell those strings. The two sets of strings you have on the guitars on the wall right there. You want to sell those strings and you want to build a store and you're like, I have these two products. The odds are that you're going to go to Shopify and you're going to be like, okay, I want to sell these two strings or whatever, the million that are in my factory. And I'm probably going to pick out a theme that looks pretty to me. So you're going to be like, cool, that looks pretty good. So you're a marketer and you're like, that theme looks pretty cool. I like the way that store looks. You're going to be like, okay, let me go hire a developer. You're going to say, Greg, build me a website so I can sell my my guitar strings. You're going to be like, I want to use this theme. If it's any front-end developer that's worth their salt, they're going to say, cool, that looks like a great design. I think that looks cool. If that's what you want, I'll build that for you, but they're not going to use that theme. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. But they're probably going to run into trouble. So if that person says, yeah, I can use that theme that you're giving me off the shelf that you just paid a hundred dollars to one of those theme stores and I'm going to build you a website out of that, they're going to deliver it to you late. Guarantee you. unless you say exactly like the theme, just add my content. Now let me ask you this. If you're going to be on one or other side of that coin, you're the marketer, you're selling your strings. All you want to do is take a theme that's out of the box and you want to add your content to it, or you're going to ask for some custom features. You don't know it yet that you're probably going to ask for some custom features. I'm going to ask for some custom features. But you don't know it yet because you're like, yeah, that one looks great. And then you're going to be like, cool, can you also build me something that restricts the strings from being bought at like the times of like midnight on Friday to like Thursday because I only want to work one day a week, one hour a day.
1: We're having the company cookout on Friday. Yeah, so you shut, have the, to sh- shut the, the store, store down.
0: Then. Yeah, they're going to ask for something. I don't know what a good example is, but like, like a good example selling alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Certain states don't let you ship alcohol there. Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You can't ship alcohol. You can't ship wine from California to Kentucky.
1: Marijuana.
0: I mean, Marijuana, sure. You can only sell it in the States that have illegal marijuana, legal recreational marijuana, which is very few States. And you
1: cannot ship across state lines.
0: And if you accidentally sell marijuana from your online
1: store, across state lines to someone underage,
0: just to say you should theoretically have someone in the factory saying, no, we can't ship there what if they ship to like a P.O. box in California? And, it should be programmatic. Well, well then we can't go around like because somebody could just ship it to a P.O. box and then ship it to their friend, but whatever, like, you know, within reason you have to be like, nope, we can't ship to that state. So then maybe there's some Shopify pl- plugins that restrict orders based on time. Say it is for some reason, a time sensitive digital product or something or time sensitive physical product. Like you're a clown company and you're selling an hour of a clown's time, which is technically a digital product. I don't know making can crap up. That's actually a, a great example. Okay, great.
1: So clown you're clown time. Clown time. Cool.
0: So you're, you you run clown time and you rent out clowns for an hour period, but Krusty the Clown. No copyrighted? oh, Jeez.
1: DCMA. Come on down.
0: Whatever uh, the clown. C-
1: c- cur- Kirsty the clown.
0: Kirsty the clown is only available five to nine p.m.s on Fridays, and someone tries to add Kirsty the clown to their cart on Thursday. You're going to need a custom component that checks the availability of Kirsty the Clown's time versus whatever. So you got a custom component. That's yes. I'm saying. Custom backend validation component of some kind. So like the point I'm trying to make is like most, some businesses can get away with just having straight out of the box themes. Yes. Most of them won't. They're going to want to change something. They're yes. going to want to be super cool with their marketing pages or whatever. So what I'm getting at is like, in this future world where Shopify is not theme-based but is component-based, which I think would be really, really good for Shopify because it is a pain in the ass to
1: deal with themes. There is a whole cottage industry around building themes for Shopify. I mean, they have a section on their developer documentation. They do, documentation, but their entire themes. Their entire Well, So you're stuck with the whole thing. They're saying they have a section for custom development, work with clients to get them started on Shopify. So they, have, they acknowledge that. They have a store for, for hiring yes, people. They have a store for people who do development for the store. Yeah. So there's another like industry on top of their their actual business. Yeah. And but so they if, know that.
0: What if those people were? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that industry because there's always going to be someone who has a store who needs an actual developer, whatever. But my point is going back to the question that we posed in the beginning, of this that got us off topic. Are companies in the future, 10 years from now, going to try to be a technology company just to sell guitar strings? No. The technology is going to get better.
1: And better and better and better and better. Well, what part of the technology is going to get better and better? Because if I'm if I'm running Albert's Guitar Strings and I've been making the same strings my whole life, my dad made them, his dad made them, that lineage that goes back. Yeah, you come,
0: so your dad made them, now you're making them. You come to the store and you're like, mm. I really think that this store needs A, a facelift, so it needs a complete new theme. That's just a theme though. Yeah, but if you're using standard out-of-the-box components, then you can just download a different theme and then all of a sudden, boom, those components dial. Well,
1: it doesn't really change the way that I do business online.
0: No, but it could be a facelift to your business that increases your sales.
1: I mean, yeah, that's true. But that that making it more modern is true at any point in time. Yeah, but all I'm now. saying is that
0: let me ask you this question. In the future, do you think a world where you can just apply a theme? To some out of the box and even custom components and have it work more or less. You can totally, would the technologies that we're using now be more conducive to that kind of thing or less conducive? Now I'm, I'm leading you. Imagine you have prop types, you have TypeScript, and you have known validated markup.
1: It makes it makes our work as... It makes my job as a web developer obsolete. It does not make my job as a guitar string selling company no, obsolete. No, I know. Though.
0: And that's not my point. Oh, okay. My point is, if you're the Alberts guitar... And I'm not saying that, like... I think there will always be a purpose for developers, but, like, the things that they're doing are going to change. The types of things that develop... Like... Somebody's got to make the robots. Someone's got to make those themes. Someone's got to make the whatever. Someone's got to make the... You know, there's other websites that aren't conducive to themes. There's other... Th- whatever. But... What I'm saying is right now in the industry, especially with startups, there's a conception that no matter what your company is, you have to have some digital presence, whether that's hiring an agency to do the work for you or hiring a small shop to do the work for you or hiring freelancers to do the work for you or having an in-house dev team. That's like that conception is like if you're building a modern guitar company, like you even said Gibson, who is it? Uh, Fender. Fender is hiring a bunch of devs. They are, yes. So, like, they are trying to have a tech presence, and they're a 150-year-old guitar company.
1: Yes, that's true. So, I don't know. The they, question is... They've been sending me a lot of emails. Um, hmm. and that would have been a, a place I would like to have learned more about because it sounds like they're doing some interesting stuff. They're getting involved in, like, live streaming music events. because They have, like, sponsored artists, people. They pay a lot of money to play their stuff. And then they have uh, mobile applications, that interface with their equipment, so their guitars and their apps. They have a whole like learning setup through a web portal. So they they have some in, they're doing some interesting things. To be fair to them, it's like it's kind of hard to be innovative in that space because so much of why people buy Fender guitars is because of the heritage mm-hmm. of it. Because there was a long period where
0: Fender was basically owned by Japanese companies.
1: Yes, they're currently owned by. I believe a private equity firm, but it's like nobody, nobody, it's very hard to make the shift of I'm buying a Fender because Eric Clapton played a Fender to I'm buying a Fender because it has an app to teach me how to play guitar.
0: I mean, 20 years from now, who's Eric Clapton? Sorry. He's one of the greatest (laughs) people in music, but like,
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Did you see that movie? Speaking of music, we're kind of off topic. People are
1: already like that, but Eric Clapton, anyway, go ahead.
0: Double off topic. There's that new movie about the Beatles where this dude wakes up. He's like, hits his head and then wakes up in a world where the Beatles was never a band but he remembers everything about the Beatles
1: so he like goes to the crosswalk and is like
0: no, no like he he just like he he." I, it's, it's a premise for a movie but like he's like this, says this movie to his sounds friend
1: terrible no
0: it actually looks really good okay who's in it uh google it so you can put it in the show notes but it just literally google Beatles, Beatles movie Beatles never happened movie like, yeah it I guarantee you you'll find it google it google exactly that Beatles never happened movie Bring that up on the screen. He's typing. Anyways, this movie. He like wakes up one day and he starts like. He says like a quote. That's how it starts in the preview. It looks really good. Watch the trailer. It looks very good. We are not watching
1: the trailer. No, we're not gonna watch it live. From from Vulture, owned by the New York Magazine. Whoa, you just played a little bit of it. Copyright. Yesterday trailer. What if Beatles never existed but Ed Sheeran very much did? What
0: on earth? Yeah, it looks really good. Anyways, watch this later. That's not the point. The point is, is that he like w- hits his head. He wakes up and then he says something like yesterday is so far away, like a quote. And he's like, somebody's like, what are you talking about? Like
1: nobody's ever heard of it.
0: No one's heard of that quote. Right. And then he says, and then he starts like singing it or but whatever. Yeah, he's getting hit by a bus. Like it's, it looks really good. But
1: anyways, n- I don't know what we we're talking about, but like, yeah. Kate, so Kate McKinnon's in it. Yeah. She's amazing and just, everything. Just honestly looks like an extended SNL scale. It might be, but it uh, it looks really good. I saw the preview. I'm turning this off. There's no way. Th- this is your pick. I'm going to embarrass you by putting that as your pick, so that everybody. Cool. Then I don't have to think of a pick. It looks good,
0: though. I guarantee you, it's going to be cool. I'm... Anyways, yeah. Imagine a world in 20 years when people are like, "Who's Eric Clapton?" People are already
1: like that. Come on,
0: Layla, man. He wrote like the most amazing songs.
1: Layla was like one of his first songs. I know, and it's like so good. <laughs> even if you're like Tears in Heaven, that's even even now. That's that's like 20 just years such old. a sad song, but yeah. It's super sad. Super I remember my dad really enjoyed that whole album, that whole Unplugged album. That's one of his favorite records to play when I was growing up. And I did not understand. I did not know what the hell yeah, Tears of Heaven was about very... until much later in my life. And that completely changed my perspective on that song. Yeah, Like How on earth do you even perform that? I don't know. How can I, you don't... even get through? Like, oh man, that just blew my mind.
0: And then people ask him to probably play it like every, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they don't because the, his super fans probably know what it's about. But like, People would ask him, "Pray tears in heaven," and he's like, "I'm gonna go drink some alcohol and die yeah, in the corner." Like,
1: no, yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, I wrote that like, song. Do you want me once. to drink myself to death? No, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, that's super sad. Speaking of Fender, though, he actually uh, a few years ago he auctioned off like almost his entire collection of guitars. How many do you have? It was it was over 100. But but the thing is, is that these guitars have tons of historical significance, yeah, yeah. right? He. Probably had like Elvis Presley's guitars and stuff. No, I'm saying his own guitars. Oh, yeah. Like the one, like he has the 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 Martin Acoustic that was not only in and of itself a vintage guitar, it was, it was uh, like a, a pre-war, so it's from World War One. Mm. And so the thing is about acoustic guitars, again, super tangent, the thing about acoustic guitars is that the age and quality of the wood is super important. Yeah, I know. Right? So if you have wood or a guitar that was made any time around or previous to... World War One, or prior to the Great Depression, uh, that wood, the vintage of that wood, especially now, literally 100 years later, the aging of the wood changes mm-hmm. the tone. And they're very sought after because they're extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely rare. And the wood that those guitars were made of uh, doesn't exist anymore. Oh, yeah. Literally does not exist anymore. So in and of itself, that guitar is super valuable. But then... Oh, this is the guitar that I literally played "Tears of Heaven" on MTV Unplugged for the first time in front of the world. Yeah, I think that guitar went for something like two or three million dollars at auction by itself. He and gave, gave all the money to charity, of course. But he's yeah. got stuff like that. He's got the guitar that he was photographed. That is the cover of Slowhand, the white Stratocaster that he's cut, that he's photographed on the, the guitar that he recorded "Layla" on. That that crazy riff that everybody re- re- recognized that song from. Dun, da, all dun, kinds da, of stuff, dun, dun, dun. but it's like super high, like mm-hmm. stuff that he played with uh, the Yardbirds when he was doing that whole thing. He's got one that Paul McCartney gave him, right? He's got, um, there oh man. There's, there's all kinds. He has a hundred
0: guitars. You're gonna name them all?
1: Well, it's just like <laughs> there, there's very specific ones that are very yeah, significant yeah, yeah. in music history.
0: Know,
1: yeah, so it's just kind of a big deal. Yeah. What on earth were we talking? About?
0: I don't know, but I may or may not know. He somebody. did not
1: use Shopify to sell the guitars. No, Let's didn't. just put it that
0: way. I may or may not know somebody who has 100 guitars. Who? How? What?
1: <laughs> do you know how much space, Do you know how much space 100 guitars takes up?
0: I think he has like he had 25 like 10 years ago. I'm pretty sure it's like 60 or 70 to 100 guitars.
1: If you've ever been to like a guitar center, their walls are stuffed with guitars and they probably only have maybe 100 in there total. And that's a store that their business is to sell guitars. So imagine if you have—I mean, I don't think Eric Clapton even sold all of his guitars. So he's probably got another hundred just lying around. You have to have a guitar uh, garage just full of that stuff. Like nowhere to park the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Craziness. Yeah. He buys his guitar strings from AlbertsGuitarStrings.com. So totally, he uses Shopify. He uses Shopify. It's great.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just—I uh, just think that there's—I um, think the technology is going to be more and more and more important. But I think that the kinds of things that developers do is going to be more and more specific. If that makes any sense. Lambda has proven that.
1: Is it going to put business,
0: more businesses out of business? Um, I think it's more just like... I mean, I think that you the, the way that you have people that you pay money to manage your technology for you, it's more in like SLAs, reliability... Security, compliance, auditing, data
1: collection rules—that kind of stuff is going to be harder. So, like being, but that kind of stuff seems like it would be easier to automate. Like uptime mm, SLAs. No, because when the when the automation goes down, well, like someone's got to fix it. Well, the thing is, if you if you have everything segmented out the way, like incident detection should be automatic. Like PagerDuty is a thing that exists. Yeah, but it'll incidentally detect someone to fix it for you, and I don't think that's going to change
0: anytime soon. Like you can get. The Amazons of the world can get more uptime, can get better uptime. But when, I mean, for F sake, like Facebook went down for a day.
1: Facebook's been going down a lot these days though. Now, to be fair, Facebook and their services, WhatsApp and Instagram are gigantic targets. Yeah. Gigantic. I would say WhatsApp is probably one of the biggest targets in the world. Yeah. Because you've definitely got state level actors in faraway places who are targeting... who Their job being played being paid for by very dangerous, scary people is to try to take down WhatsApp or try to break into WhatsApp. Well, yeah,
0: try to make it so that people can't communicate on it and stuff. Yeah, yet. exactly.
1: So that, that's know, kind of a scary thing to think about.
0: Yeah. But I, I think that, like, the, the kinds of roles that you will have in technology I think are going to be... Like, I think there's there's always going to be, at least for the next 15 years, there's always going to be a need for developers because, you know, you look at, like, they say that technology goes on this, you know, bell curve and is going to get faster and better and smarter and all these things. But I don't know if we're on the exponential rise yet.
1: We're at the end of that part in a lot of senses. We're our, getting... Our computers... Yeah. I mean, Moore's Law is done. Our processors aren't getting any faster because they don't need to be any faster that's crazy to think about it. Right? It, it is
0: true like my phone well our phones this current generation of phones every single time they double they say oh we doubled the performance of the phone you're like oh
1: okay. no you didn't well i mean you're to an like, extent okay. because they add more stuff to it but this this thing this phone i'm holding in my hand runs all of nasa in 1975 the entirety of nasa oh, yeah, probably all of it mm-hmm. every not one space shuttle Every space shuttle. I think that that
0: thing could do more simulations of landing procedures
1: than, like, the Apollo system. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So, if you think about how far we've come in that part of the curve, it seems a little bit nuts to think that we would make that much of a larger leap going forward from here in the next 50 years.
0: I think we could in 50, but... I think that okay, the I think. next, I, I would wonder if the next set of computing revolution is going to have the user experience to meet it.
1: I agree with you on that. I don't, I think the, the next step of computing revolution is making, not making computers bigger, but making them smaller.
0: Well, it's always, yeah, it's making them smaller. And that's what phones are. And that's what my Apple watch is like. This thing probably has more power than the shuttle that launched. It has NASA. a freaking
1: EKG in it, like.
0: Yeah, it, it probably has. And I mean, it this runs one does a battery. Have EKG. I have the
1: old one. Oh well.
0: But I mean, this thing probably has more power for sure than the shuttle's computer did.
1: Yes, that's true. Just on my wrist. But like, if you told somebody in 1975 that computers would have a gig of RAM someday,
0: I mean, this thing has two. I think it has two gigs. I think it has 20 gigabytes of space. Like a gig of RAM, like gig probably.
1: Yeah. And like two cores. People in 1975, even at NASA, would would talk about gigabytes of RAM the same way that you and I talk about like gigabytes, peta, of like like petabytes of RAM.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: space, not RAM.
0: Petabytes of RAM would be like
1: a even lot. even RAM. Could you imagine having a petabyte of RAM? What would you
0: even? How? I don't know. Maybe just a whole server farm of RAM sticks.
1: Be nuts. Yeah. if well even even storage is getting as fast as ram used to be
0: oh yeah but i mean what are we doing with it we're making i mean that's one of the things i've noticed that's really interesting about like gaming is that the my video card is so much faster than the video card i had 10 years ago when i played world of warcraft yes i think i had a
1: but 10 oh, years ago was like right in the middle of the exponential part of the growth
0: yeah, but I mean, I'm, I think it's going to get crazier. Obviously, technology is going to be crazier. But it's like back in the day, I think I had a video card that could run World of Warcraft at I think it was not nine. It was like one of the older, weird resolutions, like nineteen hundred by twelve hundred or something like that. Was my monitor back in the day? It was like
1: bigger than ten eighty.
0: Yeah, it wasn't one
1: thousand twenty four. It was smaller like than ten eighty because I remember the nineteen inch. I had nineteen inch monitors that were fourteen forty by nine hundred. Maybe, I don't know. That, maybe. Was sli- that was right around the time that 1080p became like a standard.
0: It definitely wasn't... T- there was a point in time when monitors had higher resolution. Maybe it was... T- you know what it was? It was 1200 on the wide and like 900 Oh, on 1200 tall. by like something 768 like that. or something like something that. Something
1: like that. It literally the cyphers of our phone these days.
0: <laughs> yeah. But like my old computer could run... My computer with like... I think it had like four gigs of RAM. It was an Athlon 1900 XP or whatever back in those days. And it had... Uh, one of the Radeons, like the 950x or something like that, or 970x. Oh, that's old school. It was old? It was before the Warcraft is. That was
1: even before they had four digit numbers on the Radeon on the ATI yeah, on the was, ATI
0: cards. It was the ATI card, ATI 980. Oh or whatever. man, yeah.
1: Was it even like dual slot? Because mm. that was there was a time before modern day graphics cards where the coolers didn't take up an entire slot. It was just like a fan like slapped on.
0: I think it was a fan slapped on, and it didn't take two slots, but it wasn't. It wasn't not there. It had a fan.
1: Mm.
0: And, but it didn't cover the RAM sticks. Like, that's what we're talking about these days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, that thing would run... Like, I used to play, like, Unreal Tournament. I used to play World of Warcraft. I used to play Counter-Strike, Half-Life Source, Half-Life 2. And then I gave away my computer. And then, like, 10 years later... So, I had, like, an Xbox original. And then I had an Xbox 360. And then I had an Xbox... Not the one, but the, yeah, it was the 360, then the 360 Elite, and two of cool. those. And then I got a PS3 and then a PS4. And now I'm back to, I have a PS4 and a computer. But what I'm saying is, like, in the past 10 years, I went from having a, a game that, could, like, a computer that could play World of Warcraft. Like, I don't remember what it looked I thought it looked good back then, but I don't know. Yeah, we didn't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and then now I went it back. Probably looked, it probably
1: looked like Minecraft.
0: Yeah, like now when I was when I first got my new gaming computer, which was about what, like almost a year ago now, I think. A little it was, over a year. A little over a year ago. I the one of the first before I re got Destiny and started playing that a ton, I got uh I started playing World of Warcraft for like a minute because I was like, hmm, I want to see what this is Let's like. Fire this bad boy up. Fire this bad boy up and see what happens, right? At the time, I was running a 1080 t, uh, just a regular 1080. Same card you bought, similar to that, that I got at the same time. Yes. And then I got a Titan XP.
1: Um, Through uh, well, we'll just not say, 100% legal channels.
0: No. <laughs> it was given to me. It wasn't stolen, but I got one. Um, and then at one point in time, I had two of them. I was running SLI, Titan XP, SLI.
1: Absolute overkill. No, 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 it was amazing.
0: I you would you would load up Absolute overkill. No no you would load up um GTA five and GTA five will in the settings will tell you how much video RAM you have. Yes. Twenty four gigs.
1: Oh my god. Twenty
0: four gigs of video RAM. It was it was insane.
1: VRAM. VRAM. VRAM is fast because it's You G- don't even DDR5. need it. You definitely don't need it
0: for sure. No, it was twenty two because Titan XP's no, it was twenty it was twenty four because Titan XPs have twelve gigs of RAM, I think. You should just the t- the TIs oh, have man. eleven, I think.
1: Could have went four K one forty four, with <sighs> HDR. Yeah, that. for a
0: two thousand dollar monitor, sure. I don't have the kind of money. Anyways, so they, I had that running, and I was running the same game, World of Warcraft, on a fourteen forty e monitor. I don't think that was before I got a four K monitor. It was and it, 14, and it blew your mind. It was. It was like one of those things where if you don't frame cap it. It was running at 280 frames per second.
1: But you can't even comprehend the number of frames coming to your eyeballs.
0: Oh, it was insane! Like in the video cards, because it doesn't have a fr- if it doesn't have a frame limiter for whatever reason. We yeah. vo- yeah, World of Warcraft's Like I think most games do this, but like most games by default have some kind of frame limiter on them. It's 100. Some some kind of limit. Or 120 it, or something like that. I think by default a lot of games turn on VSync because who games without VSync? I don't understand unless you have like GSync or FreeSync. But like, some
1: some games are poorly developed to where uh, V-Sync causes artifacting and tearing. But anyway, proceed. Well,
0: people had always said that, but I have never, ever seen a game where V-Sync didn't make it better. I have seen in games. Me. But for me, I don't know. I haven't played a lot of... I mean, for a while, I was playing PlayStation. It doesn't matter. But in PC, I've always noticed even with a high frame rate card like a Titan XP, it it tears. if the monitor, Even if the monitor is high refresh rate. Not 144, but like high refresh rate. Like a Depends 60. on the game. I have never been able to turn on a game the whole time I've owned a computer, not have VSync on, and not seen tearing. Ever. I don't think I've ever seen it. You prove it to me, whatever, another day. Come over and prove it to me. Depends on the game. Okay, never see. seen it. Okay. But I played a lot of games. But anyways, you know, going from like having that computer that would play World of Warcraft, and I thought it was great. It ran everything amazingly. It was really fast. It was insane to me. Going from that in, what, 2005 to getting a new computer in 2017 that has eight times the VRAM, because I think that one had like one or two gigs, so I guess it would be, you know, 10 gigs more, whatever the math is. Absurdity. Absurdity amount of RAM more, four or five times more.
1: Clown time.
0: Clown time more. That would be six times more RAM for 12 gigs, right? Six times two, 12 gigs, yeah. Don't hire me. I Don't know math. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it had it had six times as much RAM, and I mean the processor is insane. The processors on those Titan XPs, on any of those G, those GTX cards, two thousand forty tensor cores or whatever they are. The, the Cuda, CUDA cores, cores CUDA cores that can run tensor cores, whatever. Yes. I think about it in terms of TensorFlow, but like, yeah, two thousand something CUDA cores. And each one of those cores is probably more powerful than the card that was in my Radeon. Yes. Probably. Yes. I don't know if one individual, but at least two of them is probably as fast as the Radeon. Like, when I first plugged that card in, I had a problem with my motherboard. It was running at 1x. And even at 1x, bus speed, it was running Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, or I think the first Tomb Raider, at like 60 FPS. It would drop to like 55, sometimes 50 but when I fixed the motherboard and it was running at 16x, like nothing phases it. It's insane.
1: Yeah. So 1x versus 16x is roughly you're running it at roughly six percent shade over six percent of its potential power. Yeah, that's insane. It's pretty nuts.
0: It's a pretty and fast it's still card.
1: Running, that's, that's that's it would run. Yeah, it was running at 1440.
0: It was running at 1440p. I mean,
1: do you even now? care about ray tracing at this point? Like, do you
0: do you need it? I um, I don't know. See, I know that the whole thing about ray tracing was that I knew when they announced it that it didn't matter if it wasn't on the next gen of consoles. And all the next gen of consoles are Radeons or ATI.
1: That's true. Radeon. Or AMD, whatever the hell it is. It's AMD, but they use the Radeon branding, but ATI is no longer a thing. Yeah, well, whatever. Welcome to 2019.
0: I'm old school. Leave me alone. Don't at me. So, yeah, all of them are using the AMD graphics cards and the AMD processors. So... I mean Nvidia can try to add ray tape, ray tracing but it's like okay it's in Battlefield 5 and you can barely notice it which could be the implementation of it whatever I mean I watched a video where somebody was like on and then off and on and off and it didn't, you can notice it but only if you were looking for it
1: yeah if you're looking at uh, the reflect like it was like light uh, in water what is the, what oh man what is her name from the new Star Wars uh bounty hunter the shiny one mm yeah mm-hmm. what is her name about, I don't
0: I don't know but yeah, I know who you're talking about. The silver armor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They u- they used a, a screen cap of her with like a sword. Mm-hmm. So there's like a reflection in her helmet of the sword, of the helmet of the sword, of whoever's like... And like yeah, I really need the like inception of
0: reflection in my gaming.
1: Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I think it used to be that NVIDIA was the king of all things, but then... I mean... AMD's making some really good products these days. I like, mean, they're... Really compelling stuff. Their most recent graphics card
0: I heard is not that amazing. But, I mean, NVIDIA did come out with that 1660, which is supposed to be like everything you'd ever need. It's an RTX card that doesn't have
1: ray tracing. That's true. The problem with a card like that is that you can't convince somebody who buys that card to upgrade every two years.
0: It's a $200 card. You can convince me every... If it actually runs well, games you're not at the, 1440... You're, the, you're
1: not the target market for it. The
0: target market for that card is somebody who is running... Games in 1080,
1: which is yes. most TVs, and doesn't have money to buy a new graphics unless card it's every a 4K years. TV.
0: Well, not necessarily. It's for the person who wants to game on a budget, wants to ball on a budget, and if you can, you can probably run Overwatch for sure easily. easily. You can run
1: Overwatch on, on 120, but seasons.
0: on like 120 frames at 1080 on that 1660. So you can get high frame rate, 144 hertz gaming if you're fine with 1080. E- Pro esports graphics card off of a two hundred dollar graphics card, two fifty.
1: But the AMD equivalent, their release price was like two fifty, and now those. I mean, like the five ninety card, the four eighty from like two years ago. The four eighty was supposed to be a 10 p king, and the value was un- unbeatable. Like the equivalent card from Nvidia, even prior to the cryptocurrency stuff, three hundred fifty dollars, four hundred dollars. And the yeah. AMD one, the street price was under two hundred and fifty easily, and that card is probably one hundred and fifty now. And if you're running on ten eighty p, that's all. That's literally all the card you'll ever need. So the problem. It's great that they're feeling that market, but the problem with that end of the price spectrum is that those people don't upgrade as often as you or I do. Right, or they do,
0: or so, they're like, I'm going to buy this card for the next two years. Play games, then they graduate high school, graduate college, buy a new card. I mean, they could people people age with uh, with their computer with gaming. You know, like that's true. I started with, I think when I bought my Radeon that many years ago, pretty sure it was four ninety nine.
1: Well, let me ask you this: Mm -hmm. so you are probably at the high end of the gaming market when it comes to hardware. Falling on a budget? Uh, I don't know about budget. When you were looking at the Titan XPS and you were trying to like learn about them, did you see any sort of footage or any sort of reviews at 8K? No. But I don't think there's
0: 8K monitors. There are. Well, when I bought they when are, I when they I got that prohibitively
1: card, expensive at this point, but there are, they do exist and that is where the market is going.
0: Yeah, but I don't care. I think that for for gaming, I think that if you're dealing with any monitor that's sitting on your desk, that's that close to you, you don't need 8K. You definitely just need about, I mean, unless you're dealing with like now where 8K is going to come in handy is if you have like an LG OLED 8K or the mini TV LEDs. that's 60, if 70 you got, if, if you, inches. If you, so this
1: mini led technology that the new Apple monitor, okay, that's about, on, like, so it's supposed this. to be, if you have that on like a 65 inch television yeah, at 8K, that's going to look oh, amazing.
0: Yeah, but it's on television.
1: Most gamers that... And you're going to need something at the equivalent of a uh, Titan XP, a current Titan XP to drive that. To I don't play know games on if it. a Titan XP could drive... Well, to, to play minimum frame rates. To even push 30 hertz on something mm, like that, maybe. I don't know why you would want to do that. But this is why I was asking you is that AK is where the, those things are going.
0: Yeah, but and not so, for a while. I don't think so. Uh, I think that in front of you with like a 20... Like if you could do 4K, 32 inches, 1440... That would be dope.
1: That is also about and as curved. small as you want to get 4K. It's 32 inches, especially yeah. at desk distance.
0: Well, I have a 4K 27-inch, and it's fine for gaming. It looks great. Well, but so you crisp. would also
1: get super crispiness at a larger screen size. That's the thing. So, yeah, but yeah, I don't want
0: yeah. a larger screen in front of me when I'm playing games. I have I have a 32-inch, and I was playing it on 1440, and it was okay.
1: No, but the the pixel density at 4K at 32 inches is way higher than 1440. Like yeah, yeah. You don't want to.
0: I have a 1440, it's 32 the, inch monitor and it's not great. Yeah. Once I it's saw the four K, I was density. like, whoa.
1: But I, the thing is, even yeah. at thirty two inches, a four K monitor will have still have very very high pixel density, so it'll look super crispy and sharp.
0: Yeah, I would agree that a thirty that if those Samsung monitors that I have were four K, they would be better. Yes. Because the twenty because they're they're very good panels. They're very good panels and they look really nice, but they're. They're very good for coding because you don't really see the pixels as much. But in gaming, they, it looks a little washed out.
1: Yes, that's true. So, like, it's a little bit. It's a little bit more color accurate.
0: Yeah, it's more color accurate. I think than the four K. The four K is uh is an LG four K with HDR. That's garbage. Don't even use it. <laughs> it. It it's it's not high enough nits, and like it doesn't have mm. the right. It's like the eight bit that but runs br- at ten bit or
1: the whatever. Brightness is good though, right?
0: It can get very bright, but at it, it, it's brightest. It's I think it's four hundred nits.
1: Do you lose color accuracy at high you brightness? You lose color oh. accuracy when you don't have enough nits.
0: And it's also not a 12-bit panel. It's like a 10, an 8-bit or 10-bit or something.
1: Do you need 12-bits to play
0: games, though? Well, you need it because at that, as far as I know, for true HDR, you need the higher color depth. And that is because of the transitions from, not the actual colors you're looking at, from but from peak bright to peak dark, there's more variation in the gradients with a higher color density. And the other thing is with the LG ones, well, the one that I have, when you turn on when you turn on HDR in every game I've tried, including I was playing Division 2 uh, last weekend, and it just looks wrong. The beta? Game is out.
1: Is it still beta? I thought it was still beta. No, Division 2 is out. Jesus, have I been asleep for like a couple Division months? Division 2 is actually pretty good. I, I got it. I played like 45 seconds of the beta. It's pretty cool. I, it was kind of janky. When I downloaded the beta, I got the first email I got about the beta. I went and loaded it, it up and been, it, it. there were it some problems early on. I was not a fan.
0: There were some problems early on. It is not it is it is great now. I mean, it's got so many things to do.
1: That's very interesting. It's I got a ton of content. I don't quite have the monitors.
0: Well, we were talking about that at dinner. We
1: were talking about that at dinner and oh man. Mm-hmm. This is my dilemma with the monitors sync, man, sync. It's not even that. It's more along the size. So I have currently the two twenty-seven 27-inch monitor set up. They're both 1440p. Uh, they are BenQs that use Samsung panels. Mm-hmm. And I got them for a great deal. And they're fantastic monitors. I love them pieces. They look great in games right now. I do want 4K, though. And I know that the, the 1080 that I have should be able to push decent frame rates. I'm not like a a, a frame rate queen, so I'm not well, I'm not gonna be able to tell the difference between 60 and like 90. Maybe well, you're not gonna say between 60
0: and 90. Like if you run uh like any modern game. Like if you run a game from the last generation like Witcher 2, I think would run at 4K with some settings scaled back on a 1080. But if you want like ultra
1: or any high amount of detail? Probably not. Probably not. Because I was playing... I actually... So, mm. this is the thing that's different about me. I actually prefer higher resolution to higher frame rates. Mm. I prefer, you are the opposite.
0: No, I, I have both right now. Because I can <laughs> run... Well, if you play a game that's really well-tuned...
1: Are you calling me clown time?
0: <laughs> no, I'm saying maybe you should... If, you, if you're not out for... Like, there is a huge difference between... 1440 and 4k for sure yes it's a, it's a pretty big difference it looks amazing 4k looks amazing but if you but if you're playing a game that doesn't run at 60 hertz, 60 frames you will even if it's 55 or 50 you'll you will see, it. see it
1: you'll see it okay. it'll chop so here's my dilemma it's it's less about the resolution it's more about the actual physical screen size right mm. my actual space right now it's two 27-inch monitors pretty perfectly. If I were to go to 4K, I would want to go at least 32 inches, which kind of throws out the two-monitor setup. You know you should do. Which I'm okay with, and I, I want to hear your point in a second, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with going to one big monitor. But if I'm going to go one big monitor, I don't want to go 32 inches. I want to go 43 inches. So I have just one gigantic monitor on my desk. Just I mean, for burning, burning the redness out of my eyeballs. I'm not
0: really a big fan with like, I mean, your setup is more for like, you do game on it, but you also game on the screen right here.
1: It's only, t- it's an old TV. It's 10 EP. I
0: mean, you can just, whatever. You can change Tony that. Tony Hawk
1: looks great on it. You
0: can change that.
1: I can sit on my couch. It's great.
0: Well, so, I, so I just so think this, like is what, you, this is what I'm
1: saying. So you're, you're seeing, I see it. I no, I was about to, I was
0: about to say that you you do more on your computer than just playing games. So I would it makes sense for you to have a bigger t bigger thing in there because you could also like watch Netflix in bed if you ever do I that.
1: Don't, I mean, I guess I could, but you're right. I do do more. Things you can than play. play games. You can do music stuff. It's you a can, bit more. See, so this is my dilemma, right? It's like if I'm writing code, I want two screens.
0: Yeah, I mean, by nature, you
1: right. Want two. So I do that, but
0: unless you really get good with like the. the the split views and you have a wide monitor.
1: But the thing is, a giant 4K monitor, though, is big enough to where you could kind of mimic two screens. You could have a really tall VS Code on the left and a really tall Chrome browser on the right. And they're both at least 1080p wide, which is still, to this day, the most commonly used screen resolution.
0: Unless it scales, because 4K... Well, well, I know, but, like, when I use my 4K screen on Budgie, at least, uh, I don't quite know how to set up the scaling, but, like, it doesn't... Let's just take a Mac. Let's ignore me not knowing how Linux works. But if you just take like a Mac that scales the resolutions, it doesn't scale on monitors that it doesn't understand how to scale on. And
1: it doesn't understand 4K.
0: It just stays on 4K with really small text. And it's not very useful. So, but yeah. Thing,
1: so, that's counteracted by having the gigantic panel. If you're have a 40, if you sitting arm, remember from our ergonomics episode, we're saying arms length away from our panels. If you're sitting arms length away from a 43-inch screen.
0: You might be too close
1: well even if it's quote unquote tiny text since the screen is so big the, the text is going to be big and it's going to be super sharp and clear
0: i've seen a lot of monitors that are 42 43 inches they are very 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 big i used to have i actually have yeah you don't want to sit in front of that i have a that's a 50 isn't it that's not a 50. it's
1: 48
0: yeah it's 48 50 that's too big but you don't want to sit in front of like a 42 43 inch screen i can guarantee you i had one you want to sit in front of a 37 32 to 37, 35, somewhere in there. That's a good size. 32 is actually perfect. And the other thing you can do is you could get a 1440p, but ultra wide, 3000 by 1440.
1: I'm not a fan of the ultra wides. I don't know what it is. I feel like (sighs) every time I see one... mm -hmm. I understand the concept behind it, that it's supposed to basically be like two regular 16x9 monitors side by, monitors. by side. I understand that, but every time I look at it, it just looks like a regular 16 by 9 monitor that somebody cut the top half off.
0: Well, it depends on what you get, because like the Alienware one, that's really nice. I don't think is as wide as it is, like they don't cut the tallness to make it wider.
1: as, far that's as I can not t- an ultra. An ultra wide is, is designed specifically to emulate two normal 16 by 9 ratio screens into one screen. Yeah, was, I, I don't know if I get one know. of those. I I I, I, think I understand too appeal. They're too, the appeal. Short. They're too I, short. That's what I'm saying. When it I got it looks my, like where you have it mm-hmm. looks like there should be more height and there's not. That's why I'm saying it looks like you cut the top half of the screen. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because
1: if you have that much width, yeah, you might as well just get a screen that takes up the same amount of horizontal space and have that much more real estate. Literally double the screen real estate. I mean, there's only one true solution for you.
0: Okay. Suck it up. Get two 32 inch 4K monitors.
1: I don't have the desk space for it. Get a better desk. Oh god. That's a whole nother I've, I've actually been looking at desks as well. <laughs> I mean you just change your entire life. There's a company called Autonomous.
0: Autonomous. No, you they know, make a it, they
1: make a standing desk that's seventy inches wide. You know what you do? That's almost eight. This is feet. this is what I did.
0: You go to IKEA, you go to the the kitchen section,
1: there's a countertop, it's called
0: the Carlby. You can get it seventy two inches wide.
1: Here's the here's the thing. And then you go over the to the thing. desk section. Here's the thing about the Carlby. Yeah. Carlby's only twenty five inches deep. Yeah, that's fine. No, it's not. It's totally fine. No, it's not. My table in there right now is 30 inches deep. It's not deep enough.
0: Well, you, you know what you do? You put your monitor on arms, and you can push them back a little bit, and then they just hang off the back of the desk.
1: But then you have to bring your desk... No, like, you, you don't. don't magically... You leave the
0: desk here,
1: and no, then you but attach the, the monitors the, the, right the here. elbows of the arms stick out back behind the desk, so yeah, you have but to you pull have... the desk out. Yeah, but the I, desk, the desk I, is I, less deep. This is why I'm struggling with this, because I've looked into all these options... And I've not come up with a nice clean solution yeah, that answers all the questions.
0: Just, it's just it's just it's just mathematics, very hard. right? It's very the desk hard. is less deep, so you leave the front of the desk where no, it is. No, but I also need I know, the desk I depth
1: because I need stuff. I need to put stuff on top of the desk.
0: Go to the go to Home Depot, and buy a piece of wood. Screw it to the back of the desk and put your keyboard on that.
1: No, no, Greg, that's clown time.
0: It's not clown time if you know how to build stuff. Anyways, then just. Just go get your nine hundred
1: dollar autonomous desk. It's hard. It's actually not that much. The the seventy by thirty inch one is, I believe, four nine nine. It's either four nine nine or five nine nine. In the realm of standing motorized standing desks that are gigantic like that, that's actually not that much. What do you need
0: a motorized standing desk for? In your
1: because I literally can't buy. it. I can't find a regular desk that is that big. Make one.
0: Have someone make you one. Go to a wood shop.
1: It's not any cheaper. There's a wood shop on Fairfax that I drive by every day, and nobody's ever in it. I'm like, there's no way that anything in that building costs less than two thousand dollars. So, if all there, if you come,
0: if, all you're doing is getting a piece of wood a certain size and then cutting it, and then sand, you can sand it yourself, stain it yourself, lacquer it yourself. Done.
1: In my workshop garage.
0: <sighs> you, where there's a will, there's a way. You should make
1: a movie. No, I'll call it. What happens if the Beatles disappeared? And call it. Call it yesterday yesterday speaking speaking of that greg is that your pick i guess yeah you, you said that not really let's get the folks a little bit background here hold on we already talked about it or are you are you gonna rearrange everything no let's look at this okay so who is in this film yesterday imdb we will have links to this in the show notes folks we always do
0: I don't know, it looked pretty cool. The movie I did see this weekend actually onto movies
1: is uh I saw that movie Little. I don't know what that movie is either. It's
0: like the is the movie where the little girl is like it's like the reverse of big, the Tom Hanks movie, where like there's a little girl who or like a lady who's like really mean in her company, she works at a startup. Name people in
1: the movie name I think actors in the movie.
0: I think it's uh that that P. Henson lady. I don't know, you gotta look it up. I don't know people.
1: Taraji Taraji.
0: Taraji P. Henson or
1: whatever her name is. I think it's her, but I don't know. Oh, I did not see that. All right, so to is go, who back, it is? go back, go to, back to—I mean, Taraji P. Henson is a person. No, but is that who's in that
0: movie? You have the internet. You have like all of the internet in front of you, and you're making it hard for me. Da, 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 da.
1: Oh, no, that's not—that's not—that's not Taraji Henson. I'm sorry. Who is it? Little, directed by Tina Gordon. Stars Regina Hall. Ah, yeah, Regina Hall. Issa Rae. Marcel Martin. I think Marcel Martin's the little girl. Yeah, so she... Uh, Regina Hall and Issa Rae
0: are... Regina Hall wakes up, and she's, like, super mean to everybody. And then some little girl casts a spell, and it's a really stupid plot, but it is hilarious. Apparently it's amazing when Tom Hanks does it, right? So. Uh, no, this movie had, like, actual, like, poor
1: writing. Sorry, whoever wrote it, I'm... Sorry, I know you guys are on strike right now. Oh so. no, they're just firing their agents. That that's a different thing. Oh man. That's that's a mess. Hollywood's a mess. Guys. I don't know. Anyway, so they
0: uh it has a really bad plot, but the comedy in that movie, oh my god, it's hilarious. Very really funny. It's very funny. It's good. Very, very funny. So it's you,
1: worth the money to see, but so, the plot's bad. So you have two picks. You have yesterday, which Well, hasn't I didn't come out you
0: yet. told me that my pick was yesterday. All right, so we'll 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 scrap that one. Little.
1: Regina yeah. Hall and Rae. Sure. i yeah. Rae? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of movies, did you see the did you watch the Star Wars trailer? For the game or the movie?
0: They launched a game. That's the only one I saw. I don't care about the game?
1: Episode uh, 9. It's the I don't last care one. Care
0: about us? Episode 8 was not that great. Well, episode 9 is going to be amazing. Okay, we'll let's prove it. I'll go see it. I'll see anything, but prove it. The last I mean, one? Well, for one, I loved the first one, which is a controversial subject. A lot of people didn't like it apparently. I like it a lot. I think that JJ did an amazing job on the first one. It had... I mean, I'm not like a super crazy, like, original Star Wars fan. They're good, but, like, whatever. I think that the 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 episode seven had the magic of the original ones, but in, like, a 2015 movie.
1: It had the correct pacing.
0: It had the correct... It had the correct... It was a good movie. I don't know if it I was, like, it. the magic of the original, because the original you can't counter it because like it came out at such a time when like it was nothing like it. So how are you ever going to make anything like That's what avatar was supposed to be. But there,
1: there's this problem of Kylo Ren's character, right? Because part of why the second one was oh, so man, bad is nerd. because it spent so much time on his mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. struggle. And yeah. he just come, kind of comes off as like a pendulum child. But the thing is, is that JJ is such a genius. that all of the ways that they made Kylo look weak and small and like the epitome of toxic masculinity and fragile masculinity, he's got to be doing that on purpose. There's got to be a reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. There's got to be this, something that we'll find out probably in, in the last one. There's got to be this struggle within Kylo Ray. Ren. Ren. Kylo is that yeah, That's two know, characters in the one. That's two characters in the one. Kylo, there's got to be this struggle that is like the crux of whatever happens in, yeah, and they There's really be did it. in the second one. Well, no, that's the thing is that you have to go through that to get to the last one. Yeah, I know, but... You have to set him up he, to succeed. No,
0: what I understood of these movies, and I don't know anything because I don't work in Hollywood, but what I understood of these movies is that J.J. wrote the first movie, I believe... Well, he co-wrote, I don't know. He was involved in the writing of the first movie. He was involved in the writing of the second movie and the third movie. Yeah, so he's got to be setting
1: Kylo up for something.
0: But when they made the second movie, they made heavy edits to his film, to J.J.'s film. That's what I heard on the street. I don't know if it's true. I'm not a Star Wars nut, but I heard... It actually
1: makes sense. But it's
0: not what he wanted to have happen to him. So whatever... So he's got to fix it in the last one.
1: He's got to. That's
0: why he's doing... He was never going to do the second or the third one. He was was going to produce, but he wasn't going to direct them. In J.J. we trust. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean everything that he not everything he's done, but I really like the first remake of anything he does. Star Wars one, Star Trek 1.
1: That's the easiest one though. That's the thing. No, you set not. you set the no. table. No. You can totally screw it up. Well, no, you set you get leeway because you're setting the table. You can also You are defining a new series.
0: You can also There are no rules. <laughs> you can also create Definitely crea-
1: not clown time.
0: Come on. You can also create a movie that everybody hates because they can't hold up to the originals. That could have totally happened, but he didn't. The first Star Wars, Force Awakens, was really good. I liked it
1: a lot. I also enjoyed it. I don't know if it was as good as the originals, but, that but it that doesn't mean good. it was not the safe way to do it.
0: Well, yeah, he, sure, but he's not going to, like, go off crazy and, like, make a completely different movie. Like, he's going to make a movie that's, he has, they have to make a movie that's true to the pacing of the original movies, or they would have gotten destroyed. That's what they did in
1: uh, Rogue One, and everybody hated it. I loved, I loved Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One. I really enjoyed Did we go see that together? We did, I think. I we think. did. I loved Rogue One. I liked was Rogue a One fun a, movie. Movie. a lot. Yeah, a, a movie. lot of people hated it. And a lot of people hated Solo. Well, they hated it. They, they, a lot of the people that hated Rogue One really just don't like those female leads that are like oh, kind of brash. They're so good. She's but she so, was good. so good. She was so good. She's so
0: freaking good, and so is Rey. Like, I don't know Rey's what you are talking good about. good,
1: too, but the thing is, is I think that the, the woman haters out there, y'all know who you are, Gamergate, people they see ray as a bit more like oh well she's like untested and she's still weak and that shows how i'm i'm not the one saying this this is their perspective ray appears as a poor example of a a female lead whereas uh, Jin was like this like strong strong female lead and like she was Mm -hmm. such a badass that makes them more uncomfortable, and that's why they rag on her more, right? All the all the toxic masculinity, you remember, is always a reaction to something. It's always a, it's always a, they feel threatened, and so they lash out, right? So Jen Orso is so strong and so badass, and does so many amazing things in that movie that that threatens their existence and it makes them feel less safe and less less manly. So they lash out at her. Whereas Ray in the first one was still kind of weak at really understanding her place in all this. I think the subtext was that. Out. Well,
0: she didn't understand her place in it, but I think that the subtext of the first movie was that she's a badass in
1: making. And she's gotten, she's a little bit scared. That's true, but she doesn't even have the lightsaber at that point, right?
0: Yeah, but she's still a badass. She's like, you know, taking the robot back, you know, from the bad guy. She does all these
1: things. The cool, the cool basement dwellers. She, um, that was a
0: great movie. Her and like Finn was like an awesome character. Their relationship yes. is awesome.
1: Yes. The second yes, one just sure. wasn't
0: uh, wasn't as good for me.
1: So here's the thing, is that the reason, I I want to say the reason why the second one was not as good and the first one was good is that they took all the stuff that made Kylo such a whiny little baby. They didn't have any of that in the first one. Almost none of it, right? Did he struggle at all with the decision to... I mean, well, he I broke the, I mean, he broke the mask it.
0: when he was all mad.
1: Right, but that was like, they alluded, that's the thing about it, it was better they, 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 they alluded to it. They didn't point out that that was a temper tantrum, it was more of him expressing the anger that comes from being on the dark side, right? They, like, he didn't, did he cry when he killed his father? Like, no. No, but I he mean, really in the beginning, didn't. he when he he did get mad,
0: there was a few times where they showed him as a petulant teenager. But not nearly as much as the second one. Well, the second one was just like an emo Emo yeah and that was
1: po- that was why people didn't like the second one including you because mm. like if this is this is supposed to be evil this is supposed to be the guy that we're so scared of and so that's why I think that the third one is like
0: well he's you've set him to be
1: a weak person the yeah. subtitle the last one is called Rise of the Skywalker
0: I haven't seen this preview
1: so the fear was the it a fear, teaser
0: or was it an actual preview
1: It's a trailer You see a couple of things.
0: Is it like a 30-second... minute minute 30 or something? I'll watch it. A lot of
1: heavy breathing. A lot of Mm. one-liners. Just a lot of VFX. You you see the the ruins of a very specific spacecraft. Ruins. As in crash-landed on a planet. Ruins of a very specific spacecraft. It's called Rise of Skywalker. And so the theory is is that... I've seen this from multiple people who know on, on Twitter. Is that Skywalker no longer means... Skywalker is no longer a person's name. It is a new race of Force users. There is no longer Jedi. There is no longer Sith. There is Skywalker. Yeah, or it's and you're a little bit space. You're a little bit of both. You're a little bit in between. Right. So that's where you get Rey and Kylo being on the same team because there's no such thing as light and dark side anymore. Hmm. Did you see the video game? No, I did not see the video. All I saw was the discussion about EA saying that they weren't gonna have loot boxes, which people were very skeptical about. It's a
0: it's like a single player game, I'm pretty sure. It's not a
1: That makes me wanna see it. Or that makes that me want to play though.
0: it because it's it's basically my one of my favorite games of all time, besides Half Life, Jedi Academy.
1: Really? hmm I never played it. It oh, looked man. really cool though. You could throw the lightsaber. I never I played like 14 seconds of Battlefront and then Darth came and like just wiped everybody out. Battlefront, I, was like, this mm, fun. I didn't really care for Battlefront,
0: but Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, hands down, best games.
1: Awesome, ever. I'm a That's big, my pick. I am a big fan of including single player campaigns because I like playing those. So.
0: I think that the industry these days, and especially like Activision, Bioware, all these big companies, they're. I'm pretty sure that this this particular because Battlefront Two is the new multiplayer game that isn't out yet, and this game, which I think is Jedi. Fallen or something? I don't know, something like that. Like, some name like that, like Jedi Fallen or Jedi... Something
1: like that. There's a lot of games.
0: I don't know. And not not all
1: of them are part of the canon, which is interesting.
0: That game, I believe, is only single player.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to check that out as well. Because that,
0: I think... Because I think Battlefront is like the... I mean, that is the multiplayer one made by Respawn, I think. And then you have Bioware is making... I don't know. One of them single player and one of them's not.
1: There's a lot. There should be, there are a couple coming out like this year, right? So Borderlands we'll have,
0: 3 comes out. Ooh, I don't want to talk about Borderlands 3. I still haven't gotten the Borderlands Remastered.
1: What's or, your pick? My pick is something code related. <laughs> oh, full Actually, circle. One last note about Borderlands 3. I'm very disappointed about the whole Epic Games Store situation.
0: I don't know why everybody hates the Epic Store. I don't get it's, it. it.
1: It's not good. It doesn't work. They've already, it's been out for 14 seconds. They've already had like three security breaches. Like people's mm. credit card creds getting stolen.
0: Man, just you, just use Stripe, man. We talked about this. We talked about, about it.
1: Shopify. We talked about Shopify it. Shopify those games. Shopify your store, Epic Games. Come on now. Anyways, also, but, exclusivity is just dumb. Well, that's like, gonna happen. Line, like no, they're, talking about, to they're talking about they're talking about
0: Destiny three right now, and people are wondering if there's gonna be a PlayStation exclusive. Like some of the content in it again is gonna be exclusive.
1: I mean, to to make this point, you have taken a stand on Red Dead Redemption. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten it. I'm taking a stand on Borderlands Three. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Let's mm. let's move on. I actually do have a code related pick. So a couple weeks ago, I told you guys about a book called Rework by 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 the cool dudes. Can I
0: steal it? It's, you finished it's releasing it right there. I, I finished, finished
1: reading it. I was going to take it to work and and maybe uh, be the read cool it? person who has books at their desk at work. But finished reading Rework. I mean, I could read this
0: in like it's very. It looks very short. I could read. It's this. It's actually in. a pretty
1: easy read. It's pretty good. I could so read this I in like a weekend. Greg, I already picked that one. What I'm I was stealing. saying is I'm that i just saying I'm going to steal it from you. I picked the second one. They wrote a book right after this called Remote. Over here it's not over here. It's over somewhere else. I think it's it's somewhere else. Second book. Yeah. Called Remote. It's not necessarily a sequel. It's kind of a follow up. It's in the same vein of it's kind of has a vibe about. It, it's sort of set up as a series of essays by the same guys, Jason Fried and DHH, DHH the guy. Have you
0: finished reading it yet? I'm pretty close. I'm about... I'll steal it next week. Three Go quarters on. of
1: the way through. Yeah. Uh, but it's entirely about structuring and talking about building a remote-only workforce. What? How to start a company that way, how to transition from a company that exists, how to respond to all of the common criticisms of allowing your employees to work remotely. And it is... It is groundbreaking stuff. It's not a new book. It actually came out right after we reworked it. So it's been out for a few years, but these are texts that the the Basecamp guys have basically kind of made their name on, right? Basecamp is a 100% remote company. They have an office in Chicago, but nobody actually has to work there. I mean, they talk about in the book, they have people who work in Chicago that work in the office if they want. They have people in Chicago that don't ever go to the office. Um, there's one part where he talks about where there's one guy in Chicago that has to work closely with another developer in Copenhagen. Copenhagen is literally exactly, I think, eight hours ahead of Chicago. And so you would think, oh, there's no way that they could work together. No, there is. And they do a pretty good job at it. And they talk about all the ways that they do it and how the biggest problems are not keeping people motivated to work. It's the human problems. Communicating it's not even communicating because you have tools to do that. If you're forced no, I mean, like, to, it's actual more about
0: communication, like not just "Hey, do this task on Slack."
1: Right, right. So that's yeah. the thing: is that allowing your team to work remotely does not expose flaws or shortcomings in those individual workers; it exposes flaws and shortcomings in your process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is a management problem; it's not an individual contributor problem. Right, because you and I have worked together on projects. Sitting next to each other, not sitting next to each other. You're at home. I'm at home. You're in the office. I'm at home. We had a lot all of, of arguments kind of over
0: Slack messages. We've
1: had arguments over Slack, but we've been able to do it, right? Because It probably would have been workers. easier if we just turned on the video call and
0: talked it out. Well, that's
1: the thing. It's, it's tools like that, like Zoom and house party and all that kind of stuff where you can feel like you're actually talking to a person even if you're not physically there. Yeah. And so those problems are not things that any manager at any point from here on out can say, oh, well, this is why we can't have remote workers. It's like, no. There are tools that allow your workers to be just as effective, if not more, when they work remotely. I, I mean, mean, the problem still, because... You could still make the argument that uh,
0: you don't want to do that much effort.
1: You mean as a manager?
0: Yeah, to like figure out how to make those systems work remotely. It is well, harder. It's not like you can't do it, but it is harder.
1: So transitioning from a full 100% time butts and seats set up to a full remote is extremely difficult. You're 100% right about that. But the difficulty comes from mostly from management changing their preconceived notions about how they manage projects. Yeah. Right? There's, a, there's a, still a very strong tendency for people who manage technology projects to say, if I don't see you typing away at your desk, then I don't think you're actually working. And that is a fundamental flaw in the entire system. And yet everything is based on it. So it's a very enlightening book. It is stuff that I've thought about quite a bit, a lot. And it's given some very insightful, good topics that are... It's a, it's a very easy read. It's a very straightforward to read. There's some cool illustrations in there. And it's, it's a really good complement to rework. It's it's it covers a lot of the same themes about changing our preconceived notions about how businesses are run, how we can work more efficiently, how we can make it so that it is better for the employee because making things better for the employee makes things better for the company, all the way around. So we'll have links to that in the show notes. They do have a third book that came out I think last year called Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. I think that one's the next one for me. I think that's episode nine You're for complete me. Complete your DHH. That one's a Rise of the DHH for me. Rise of j- Iron. Destiny. Destiny <laughs> okay. Two. Rise of I'm Iron. Like, check that one out so we will have all those links there's also another good one on the same vein yes managing the unmanageable we've talked about that before i said that book is my autobiography you didn't know that no did you read it no i haven't read it. i haven't read it because i think you made that pick already once
0: all right well i just want to remind you because we're on the same topic like if you're yes. gonna try to have a remote workforce you should probably read that book because i still haven't read it because i'm uh, you know don't have time for do anything but it basically goes over all the different personalities because everybody thinks that developers... I think we have had this conversation. Every Everybody thinks that developers are like introverts. They're not all introverts. I'm not They're an not introvert. You you keep saying this. I'm not really. I don't you know. keep saying this. We, we talked about the definition of it. I'm not an introvert. Anyways, point is people are different. Don't assume that every one of your developers is an introvert who hides in the corner and needs to be told exactly what to do. That's not the way that you motivate people. You no, have to not. know how each kind of person... You have to be able to point at somebody and say, after I've worked with them for a little bit of time, they're a this kind of person, and I'm not going to be able to motivate them with negative reinforcement. I have to motivate them with positive reinforcement. I have to motivate them with dangling a carrot. I have to motivate them with something. I have yes. to motivate them people different ways, and you have to discipline people different ways, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole point is, if you're going to try to create a whole remote workforce after you read these two books, and you're like, yeah, that's something I want to do, you probably should know how to manage developers. And that's what that book is about. As
1: a manager, you kind of have to let go of the ego a little bit. You have to let go of the reins and let people let people be free.
0: Yeah, but there's like certain people that you can't let be free and there's other people you can't. That's
1: true. That's true. And those That's are the whole, whole point struggles. of the book. Yeah, so you got to know
0: who you do what with.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest point of, of remote is that The things that you're going to struggle with are not like keeping people motivated to do the actual work. Yeah, I agree with that. I think
0: that you just have to know how to motivate people and give them the proper incentives and the right tools to be able to build things and they will build things for you. Yes, that's true. People in our industry want to do what we do.
1: People people who do our line of work are intrinsically motivated to build things because we are tinkerers and we are makers and we are builders and we want to poke stuff and tear yeah. stuff down and build it back up and see how everything works. Yeah. A lot so we, of time have that intri- we have our intri- own intrinsic motivation to do that. So that's why remote work actually works really well for us.
0: Yeah, it does. If you like, you can't just imagine that you're going to have a remote team and you're going to be like, Oh, here's like a design that's half done. Build it for me. Like that's going to be even that's harder than it works. is in person. Yep. That's not how So it works. you can't, you have to basically like, if you're going to have remote workers, you have to make sure that they have every single thing that they need to build what they need to build when they need it. And that they understand the timelines.
1: Yeah, you almost have to have stronger communication that is not based on being face to face or being available to tap on the shoulder twenty four seven. It's a it's a pretty big paradigm shift, but it does work well for a lot of companies. Basecamp is Exhibit One A of all that stuff. Like, really, there's no excuse for any manager in 2019 to be able to say, "Oh, remote work doesn't work." Well, well, tell DHH that. Tweet him. He's at DHH.
0: Yeah. I think that a lot of the times people would just need, would be, I think it would be wise in this world that we live in now with developers all over the world that you understand how to work with people that are remote, regardless if it's one fourth of your team, one tenth of your team, 100% of your team, 50% of your team, whatever. You should understand how to work with people that are remote,
1: period. Make make it work, guys.
0: No matter what your company is. You should should imagine you're going to have at least one remote worker and you should have your company geared so that you can have one or all at all times.
1: Yes, that's true. If you have any other related inquiries about remote work or Star Wars yeah. or monitors or video games or, video games or, or Shopify, how to build a better Shopify, you can tweet at Greg. Totally. He's on Twitter. I verify this with my own eyes. I promise he's there, guys. At Gregorski is where to reach him. I am at Al Park. The show is at a public function. We tweet there when it's time for the new episode to be downloaded to your podcast player of choice. Or if you'd like to visit us on the web, we're there too. Publicfunction.show. This is episode number eighteen. Oh my God. It's the nineteenth episode. Are we t- we're one away, away from, from 20. The big old twenty. We are two episodes away from being able to drink alcoholic beverages, Greg. How do you feel about that?
0: I drank an alcohol- alcoholic beverage for dinner.
1: Yes. That's yes. That's but the true.
0: episode can drink them.
1: <laughs> the episode will be able to drink them. Maybe we'll we'll uh
0: we should call it the twenty one year old trip to Vegas episode.
1: Oh my goodness. Happy birthday. Our episode might not survive. Oh man. Vegas. Oh man. (laughs) If you have any ideas of what we should do for our 20th show, feel free to tweet at us. I have have an idea. Yes. That should
0: be the review episode. Review of what? Like the whatever you call it the go back. Oh, the follow-up episode. The follow up episode. The look back episode. The look back and follow up and introspect into the future episode. what what? Introspect into the future? Yeah. Look into the core of the episode to figure out what the future is.
1: I don't think those words mean what you think they mean, Greg. We've been knocking around this idea of just going back and doing all the follow-up for all the things we've been talking about follow-up for and doing it all in one big episode. And I think the 20th episode is the the perfect time to do that. So we will be bringing that to you folks shortly. We are on the web at publicfunction.show. This episode is episode 18, so it's publicfunction.show backslash 018. All the show notes, all the links to all of Greg's 14,000 picks will be there. Mm -hmm. Be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. The links to Amazon are affiliate links If you use those, that they do help out the show We don't make a ton of money off them But we do appreciate all of your support All of your listens All of your downloads Wherever you may be in the world Shout out to our folks in Sweden All Reliables, man Every single episode Swedish listeners, you guys are awesome We love y'all Greg, do you have any other follow-up before the follow-up Next week?
0: No, I've said enough You've said. I've set my quote of her (laughs) talk.
1: You've said a lot. So we will do more follow up next week. How's that, Mm Greg? Yeah. Cool. See you next week. See
0: you next week.